0: morning everybody i'm charlie fink here with ted chilowitz it's this week in xr it's april 22nd 2022 and the show as it is every week brought to you by verbella good morning ted
1: morning charlie i am uh, heading off to uh nab tomorrow for uh, the first really big kind of super trade show back we'll see how uh, it uh, i'm how having it does.
0: promo because everyone is going except me
1: we'll see i'll keep you posted it'll be interesting
0: uh so let's let's get right to the. Oh, we have a great guest this morning. Yeah, our friend Nani. Nan- Jalapena,
1: yeah, godmother Nani. of VR. Nani is a very good friend and uh, known her since the inception of all this crazy. Oh, yeah. stuff. I mean, Nani
0: is she's a treasure. She's won every award you could possibly win as a content creator, uh, except for an Oscar. But perhaps that will change soon. Yeah, and, hopefully coming soon. Yeah. And uh, and she's an educator and uh, a good friend. So look forward to catching up with her. She's got some some. Uh, news to tell us about. Uh, let's let's start with the big story this week, 33 million bucks for a free design app on the Quest. Yeah, the, the, the Gravity Sketch app, which
1: is yet another provability point about this combination of, I'd say, call enterprise and consumer, right? Anybody can download it, it's free to use, um, but there's certain enterprise benefits for people creating and building and and using it as a as a real viable tool, and so they raised some serious capital to keep moving that forward.
0: They raised seven million in 2020, which was not nothing. Right. Uh, but uh, a lot of people are using it. My uh, niece is a uh, industrial designer, and she would not leave home without it. Interesting. And now they
1: raised another thirty something million. Right? Yeah, thirty
0: three million. So to keep so moving. Yeah, that's, that's great. Good, good story. Good for them. Uh, here's another good one, Ted. The NFL. I know this is it one I've been tracking to the meta quest in the fall.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I've been tracking this cause I am like a lot of people, a legit NFL fan. Yeah. Uh, and truthfully, you know, one of my favorite experiences on the original tethered rift was the VR sports app, which had a great uh, football simulation where you got really good throwing and catching. And, and it was a very enjoyable app that I played a lot uh, when we were back in the tethered days, uh, you know, and I still fired up occasionally, um, so I'm excited to see the other, there've been a few football apps that have been done that haven't really
0: fired on all cylinders.
1: So I'm hoping that this one really gets it right. So we'll see.
0: Uh, supposedly it's using real time NFL game data to construct the simulation. And so you, you are, it's a first person game. You're standing under <laughs> the center yeah. and you take the snap and you've got, you, you really get a sense of how terrifyingly fast. The game is right so you know you only have a few seconds
1: before they sack you i mean look they've got a high bar to meet with madden right because madden has been a, a stalwart of the gaming world forever and it increases in its fidelity fidelity and gameplay and experience of how real it feels so uh, now vr is taking their shot at it and we'll see how they do
0: I, I, I gotta tell you it's kind of a personal aside but uh, one of my sons said neither of them really love vr as much as i do
1: uh-huh.
0: uh, but One of them likes it well enough, but his point is the games that I really like are on consoles. Mm -hmm. Until VR has those games, like when VR has Madden, then I'll be playing VR. When I can be the quarterback, he literally said this to me last year when I can be the quarterback, I will do more VR. So
1: I hope the game is great. Fire (laughs) up your old Rift again and put him in VR sports because he can really be the quarterback. It's a really, really good experience that was kind of. Undercovered, maybe just because it was so
0: early, but it's it's exceptionally good
1: physics. I, I, think this, I think
0: this sort of thing is exactly what VR needs. So hopefully, the quality of it will be high enough, uh, so so that it'll bring more people into it. Because you know we need these kinds of apps to uh, to hook people.
1: Did he play uh, your son? Did he play Resident Evil uh, when it ported over to the uh, to VR? To uh, I don't I don't know. I'll I'll have to ask him about that. that. Would I don't be know one how much VR in, he's
0: doing these days. Very um, much a console thing that moved over. He's, 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 he he is his his game, and actually this is a good segue into our next story. Uh, his game is Golf Plus. But there's another great golf game on the Quest called Walkabout Mini Golf. Yes, which
1: I do too. It's very fun. Yeah, have we,
0: have we, we haven't done this together? No, you and I haven't done it, but I've done it with other folks. They have a lot of courses. They're fun courses. They're well designed, but not impossible. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they make you think just enough. And now they're evolving it into much more of a social experience. So, you know, now you kind of hang out in front of like the golf hut that they have at Mini Golf courses where you kind of wait. For somebody to join your match.
1: Share up with somebody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: but now they're creating a whole club where you hang out and they have putting and, and driving, and I guess a raft ride of all things. So yep. they're trying to keep people in the world uh, and, and provide other social things for them to do. I actually tweeted at these guys earlier this week. I think they ought to get together with 4VR. That's another company that's doing bowling and darts and right. pool. And they're trying to do all those kind of indoor games but it, you know it seems they seem natural bedfellows like to be yeah, that's like one metaverse exactly with pro putt in it and top golf and everything hmm. yeah i
1: would i wouldn't be surprised if, if meta does a bundle of those types of things and does a bit of a forcing agent but it would be interesting if you could if they're you could all using,
0: avatars they're all exactly where i was going they're all using the meta avatar system right so all they have to do is just kind of, you know, erase the wall, if you will. Right. And say, hey, you
1: want to go play some darts after we uh, finish our mini golf game? And then we start to really build into this world. That's really right. Because
0: I think these social places, and I think that's the challenge for Horizon and others, is you have to have things to do in VR. Right. right. So. You know, this is a place where you could keep yourself really busy. So congrats to Walkabout, um, really interesting company. Uh, oh, okay. Here's one. Yeah, we should have, I should have jumped on this one right away. Because I led with uh, this one. The, the one about Horizon Worlds uh-huh. uh, going to the web. Yeah. Which, I, I mean, it, I hadn't given it any thought really, but they have to, right?
1: It's a natural evolution of what they need to do to find scale and find, um, you know, where where people are. you've got to meet people where they are. Not everybody is like us. That's trying to be in VR more than they're on regular platforms. Most and, people are. On regular I mean, all platforms. of their
0: all of their uh, competitors have some kind of yeah. uh, PC companion. And yeah. by the way, Rec Room. Oh my God, when they started adding things like you know PCs and mobile phones <laughs> and game consoles, they just scaled out of yeah, sight.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, It's just it's a continued probability that there
1: is audiences and markets out there, really more for traditional platforms, for web and mobile, right? The, and, and VR is still a, a sector of that. That's of course growing all the time,
0: but you cannot live in VR alone, right? That's what the provability is. So I don't know if you keep your eye on Coachella, but they've been adding uh, the, the festival, I guess this is the last weekend of the festival, they do yeah. it for several weekends, yeah. um, but they've added AR to several acts. Uh, including somebody named Flume. I guess this is a very famous act. Uh, and Flume, during their live stream of Coachella, which is live streamed along with the, you know, giant 400,000 person live event, they also stream it live. Mm-hmm. And apparently there, the, the Flume Act, I put up the link on the uh, Forbes column, is uh, is completely, you know, filled with AR and effects and flying dragons in the whole nine yards I mean like really
1: experience. Yeah. yeah
0: it it just goes to you know it's the thing we were, were have been talking about about uh, you know live music you know live performances starting to you know people have their phone in their hand already
1: right
0: yeah right, and right. they want to be yes so it's, it's a secondary way of, of you
1: know doing it live right I mean right. When you go to any concert and half of the concert patrons are filming their you know their phones version to the thousands of people in an audience. I don't exactly know what they're doing with it. It's sort of like a personal memory or something, or they're going to share it. But they're just capturing you know the same thing that all their friends are capturing, holding their phone up. Oddly enough, sort of putting a barrier between them and the experience. But if you're going to do it and then make it something fun
0: and interesting, I mean, where aren't you half the there. people aren't half the people at a concert? In my experience is half the people there are filming it or streaming it themselves. So, yeah, you mean, know, that's, they want is. to have yeah. that secondary screen experience. Yeah, these days it is, right? So you might as well lean into it, yeah. Uh, Snap is also continues to do more and more things with location-based AR. So mm-hmm. it's really, a, you know, it's a, a version of that, right? It's AR that works at a particular moment for a particular reason. They have uh, been touting recently, although they, they've done a lot of interesting things recently, but they're working with uh, the LA County Museum of Art and uh, selected artists to uh, augment monuments around LA.
1: Right, which is an interesting use case. I mean, I think it's, there's, there's always been a fascination for me personally, I think to you as well about how we start to march our way into the wearables, right? And the idea of these geolocated experiences where yes, we're using our little magic window version today but we can start to extrapolate to a day when we have these outdoor capable devices that you'll put on in various hotspots and exactly. you know, like, the experience I, will start to really become something. And a lot I mean, of artists are of, doing it One right. of the
0: things we need is, is notifications, right? I mean, I need to know if I- When it's when it's ready. Yeah, uh, you know, ready. hey, you know, my phone buzzed and I open it and it says, hey, you're outside this historic building that has been, you know, decorated by this artist or, you know, has some kind of AR content that you may want to pay attention to. Yeah. And I think that's always been kind of the problem, right? That, that if you have the glasses on, it's easy for it to flash or notify you in a, a less innocuous, way, but I, I think that uh, this is really going to help AR uh, scale uh, and and keep it more front of mind for people. Yeah, just it's another step in the in the equation, which is good. Yeah. So uh, while we're waiting for Noni de la Pena to come in, uh, let me uh, share with you all uh, her incredible background. Um, she's called the godmother of VR because she's been making... VR experiences uh, for 20 years, right? She had to. She had to make her own headsets, um, and maybe we'll get her. Oh, she's here. She had to make her own headsets. That's how long she's been doing this. Yeah, well, so, and she so was. So we'll get it was, straight from none. Here we go.
1: Well, as she connects in, you know, she was in the early stages of the the, the the cardboard Palmer Lucky pre
0: Oculus stuff. She was a, a big well, right? Because she was at USC, and I think he was working with Bolas and then uh, Skip Rizzo. Yes. So she can tell us that story first. Yeah.
2: Good morning, all. I'm I somehow um, uh, um, you know broke my wrist, so I tripped, and so I am very extremely casted at the moment, which makes everything considerably harder. So um, I'm gonna um, say good morning to y'all, but um, uh, uh, forgive me if I stumble a little bit because the pain sometimes keeps me up from sleeping as well as I would like.
1: We're here here for you.
2: Thank you, thanks, man. It's great great to see my dear friend, Ted, Um, and uh, Charlie has also really, really um, made his way into my heart as one of my dear friends. So uh, I really appreciate you both inviting me in this morning to, to chat with you.
1: Absolutely, we're thrilled to have you. you as, as Charlie was professing uh, before you joined, uh, your deep connection to this world of virtual reality that uh, sort of far surpasses most of us in terms of how far back you go with it and how connected you are into it and how your journey is an interesting journey uh, in and of itself.
2: Yeah, it's been kind of crazy right it, it it really uh starts for me back i can't remember what i did first whether i saw uh, an installation at usc um uh, called frictions or imaginary frictions and or read howard wrangle's book on virtual reality but one of those two things back in the 90s wow. literally um that you know, I'd been working so hard as a journalist to try to put people on scene and make them really connect to the story through text, through documentary, and I really was inspired by this idea that that you could be there, right? That you could actually be present in these um, spaces. Um, but uh, you know, at that point, I didn't know really how to code. I taught myself some HTML, um, uh, having gone from Venice High School. Um, to Harvard when I was 17, and I'd never been in the East Coast of my life when I showed up at Harvard, you know, showed up with no coat, no boots, uh, you know, uh, and even though we had this basic programming course that you had to pass freshman year, and I was really good at it, and I, and I and was helping everybody else. Um, I didn't continue in the programming courses because everybody kept saying how hard they were, and, and of course you could imagine I was not <clears throat> You know there there are plenty of days at did high that rather than being in class i was at, actually at the beach so uh you know i was a little bit underprepared for uh for the for some of the coursework requirements although i caught up i really did catch up by, by my senior year so uh cut to this time in the 90s when I, you know taught myself html and was really keen on vr but didn't really know what to do with it um and then uh, uh i heard about this grant um my husband had uh, dragged me up to uh Ithaca, New York, because he was teaching in the science studies program there at Cornell for a couple of years. And I was, you know, super isolated, as you can imagine, and found this amazing grant that the um, uh, Bay Area Video Coalition and the MacArthur Foundation had put together uh, to um, uh, take real history, kind of important documentary stories and bring them into the digital realm. And and that's how everything started because I applied to do the virtual Guantanamo Bay with digital artist Peggy Weil, got the grant and that kind of kicked it all off in Second Life.
1: And I think maybe that's the first time you and I started to intersect was at Sundance, I don't know how many years ago when I was starting to see you were still using custom headsets that you were building and sort of jerry-rigging yourself because you needed tracking and you needed things that the headsets that weren't your own didn't have yet and you were starting to demonstrate uh, these, like, these police action stories and these very emotional stories that people would queue up to see as like essentially little micro theme park attractions, but with very, very serious subject matter. And that became really your, your sort of stock and trade for, for quite some time, right? You were kind of living in those festivals and proving out how you could tell stories this way and, and, and move people's emotions and make them take action, right?
2: Uh, yeah, so that, that first piece was 2007, it was a virtual Guantanamo Bay prison, right? Because mm-hmm. it was off limits, most citizens impression. and we had this incredible, you know, I look at it now when we talk about the metaverse, we had so many students from around the globe having tours through the space, because you know, we had a lot of real video and audio, and, and after that piece was made, Ted, that's when I kind of went like, oh, this could be used for all kinds of journalism, and that's when I coined the idea of immersive journalism, which led to that piece at Sundance. That piece of Sundance was the um, Hunger in Los Angeles project, where uh, during the downturn, so many people were going hungry, and um, uh, they were invisible. And I wanted to make them more visible, and I chose a kind of unusual medium to try to do that. Uh, when I look back on it, you know, I had to try to do some more coding and beg and borrow a lot of favors, and at that moment, um, when it got into Sundance. Uh, you know, I was working out of Mark Bolas' lab at USC. Um, We had the $50,000 headset, the Wide Five, and Mark was like, you're not taking that to Sundance. We're like, oh, shit. And Palmer was there, and also it was kind of an extraordinary gathering of people. There was uh, John Brennan, who, you know, now has built, like, the virtual cameras for Ready Player One and and, um, uh, uh, Lion King Wong, and now it's on Lion King 2, and um, also... uh, Bradley Newman, another incredibly talented thinker and programmer, um, and Ty Fan, who's now at Microsoft, who um, uh, really was instrumental in writing a lot of the code that drove the headset. And then, of course, Palmer Luckey. Right. So Palmer Lucky was like the lab intern. And um, when Mark said, you can't take a headset, um, Palmer got to it. And uh, to his credit, he produced something that worked. Um, and, um, and that's where we started.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that like that period of time, that, that little of of these really interesting people that are all pursuing very interesting paths still to this day, right? Some expected, some not so expected, and some sort of flourished and you know got huge uh, sort of investment dynamics and others sort of live inside the worlds of production techniques and stuff but it's sort of fascinating that you were part of that little beehive collective that became such an important part of moving the medium forward to where it is today and still does right I mean a lot of these people as you mentioned are still pushing the envelope you may not hear about them a lot they may not be front and center but they are the driving force like you um, which, is, which is interesting, which kind of uh, leads us to flash forward into what you're doing now, educating others in all that you've learned and all that you bring to the table, right? So that's kind of where your, your current gig is, is, is helping others achieve what you achieved in different ways. Would, that, would I be stating that correctly?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one little interesting side note was that Tai Fan, who was finishing up his master's in computer science at the time, had gone through the virtual Gitmo at some, in Second Life, and said, hey, if this is what they're doing at USC, I want to go to school there and applied to USC because of that project. And then we ended up working together completely. It felt completely, uh, you know, he didn't approach me. We just happened to be in the same space many couple of years later. So, you know, this education space that he was in, that we were in that allowed all that creativity uh, to, to, you know, flourish and bloom. um, I'm hoping that we're able to now take that really extraordinary um, ecosystem that got built in that in that small space that we had um, and bring it to uh, uh, a scale. Mm-hmm. and particularly to scale it among you know diverse creators, thinkers, um, um, artists. Um, you know we know that this um, um, technology fields can still be pretty limited in, in their uh, in, inclusivity. And the point of this master's is super low cost, and we've set it up at Arizona State University, but in downtown Los Angeles, in an amazing new building. Um, I'm sure Charlie can talk about that because he he toured it, and um, uh, uh, it allows me to provide you know best in class, uh, you know excellent excellent um, instructors. Gear. Let me let me interrupt you. Short. Yeah, let please. me
0: interrupt you and set this up a little bit because we jumped right into this, and I'm not sure if people at home fully or our listeners fully understand what what we've pivoted to here. But uh, last year, Nani was approached by Arizona State University, uh, which is a very fast-growing institution uh, that is spreading its tentacles throughout the web. Uh, and also into neighboring states like Southern California. And they approached Noni about creating a new program that is a joint venture between their journalism school and their film school, which has been working in extended reality. And they have uh, created a sort of center for emerging narrative. uh, And it's a 12 month program, uh, heavily subsidized that is gonna be run out of the old Hearst building in downtown. L.A., which the university has renovated and filled with amazing spaces and, as Noni was saying, facilities uh, and equipment uh, to give uh, young storytellers uh, the opportunity to get started in immersive media, uh, working with, you know, in this case, the pioneer of the medium of storytelling uh, using VR. So, um, Noni, please please go on and, and correct any parts that might have been inaccurate.
2: No, it's it's um it's a really interesting building just even from its history because, uh, it was um, designed and built by the first female architect uh, ever given her license to operate in the United States. Wow! Um, yeah, it she built uh, St. Simeon too. Mm-hmm, that's right, and um, uh, it was also uh, you know the Herald Examiner building, so it was a newspaper building. So how amazing that this old technology this extraordinary female pioneer for this old technology that I am giving an opportunity to introduce new forms of journalism uh, as a female pioneer in this new form of journalism. So uh, uh, it's, it, you go in there and you just, the energy is just so right. Um, uh, I see Charlie like you know, nodding his head here because uh, it, is a, it just is this really, um, you just feel that, uh, that we're gonna be doing some amazing things there. And, and I'm just so excited to see what kind of things the students produce. I've been I've been saying yes to being on a lot more juries lately um uh it's given me some opportunity to do that to really think about other people's work and even more than before um and I have to say um I'm 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 really excited about the future holes
0: that's great and if people what if it's is it on the web can people find out about the program and 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 potentially apply on the web that is do they go to the ASU website or where, where would you go? Uh, here? That,
2: that's exactly right. It's ASU. And then uh, it's, if you look at the, if you just uh, if narrative and emerging media is, uh, is the uh, new program and I should have the website up, but it's within the, the Sydney Poitier school. And um, uh, I- yeah, hey, uh,
0: narrative and emerging it. media, here it is. Yep, uh, got it. Film.asu.edu. Thank you. Uh, it, oh, and here's, here's a good one. And right next to it is the title of the story. Godmother of virtual reality joins ASU to build new LA based program, comma, center. So that's pretty cool. How did you, who called you the godmother of virtual reality? That's a great title. I want one like that
2: you know every once in a while i'm like oh you know the <laughs> grandmother but anyway so so um i even i even have one it's so- a
0: godmother not
2: the <laughs> I, know, grandmother. I know i know but i had this one french journalist right you know and she's the queen of virtual reality and my sister's like let me correct that to godmother I'm like, no 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 let's just leave queen but uh, honestly it, it comes from it, it. you know i do get embarrassed by it it's funny but uh uh it comes from um the fact that I was at Sundance with, I think uh, it might've been Project Syria, um, you know, I've did multiple pieces there and um, a number of people kept passing through my space while this Engadget reporter was talking to me who were saying, oh, Nani introduced me to VR. Oh, Nani, uh, you know, showed me VR for the first time and worked with me on my project. Oh, Nani helps inspire my, vo-. literally, I had like four or five people. And of course, and there was the origin story of the headset um, and the, in get a reporter turning like you're like the godmother of vr and um then you published that and then everybody picked it up yeah, um yeah. and that's where it really started uh so um uh like i said sometimes i feel like you know there's so many people who work in this field and so many people who've come before me and you know how things are I, I do i do accept that i was a pioneer i mean when when palmer turned to making the oculus rift Um, The first headsets, you know, they really sucked, right? You just sat down at a computer and I couldn't stand them. And so I had to make my own. And um, I had to source the lenses from a bankruptcy sale and find, you know, screens out of China. And we set up a 3D printer in my mom's garage and and I was making my own headsets. And we actually got some um, HDMI transmitters that let us be uh, wireless. Um, So I think we were one of the first wireless headsets out there. Um, but then the vibe came out and that was a much more simple situation than trying to, you you'll, you'll the stories of I me mean, like landing in Syracuse and having to fix the headsets with a frigging paperclip. I mean, they weren't, they weren't the most stable things that, that I can tell you, but they, but they were great. I mean, they looked great. They felt great when they're on your head that you really felt in the scenes, even with that digital reproduction that we were had to do, you know, obviously photogrammetry now is getting amazing, but, um, you know, you felt these stories. It, they were, it was effect, it's been an effective medium.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, Yanni, that you lived truly through the the dynamic of what we call and refer to as the innovator's dilemma, right? Um, Which is this famous book written by Clayton Christensen as a Harvard professor who uh, defined this idea of how innovation happens, where you end up getting something that is lesser in so many ways when it starts, but it starts to prove the point that when we get all the pieces and parts right, it will exceed all its expectations. And those of us that have lived through an innovator's dilemma moment, and I've you know, personally had to do it a number of times with products that I was involved in very early on, like you, um, you get this real sort of, <laughs> there's a love and, and, and an amazing trepidation about all the steps it takes to move something into mainstream understanding and mainstream use case, right? And you've lived it in such an intimate way. I think that's, you and I share this commonality about that, of like the earliest, earliest days of things. Uh, where you start to see the promise of something but you just know it's going to take so many bumps in the road to get there. Uh, and you know you're one of the ones that have lived through it probably more intimately than almost anybody that I know.
2: Yeah, and uh, as I, as I sang into the microphone at the South Self by Southwest Hall of Fame induction not dead yet so for those of you who play pistol whip uh you maybe will recognize where that that line comes from i i whatever that comes on i shout it so loud it's actually a Devorah song uh but when you're playing in pistol whip man it feels great to shout that as loud as you can so um you know i'm a fan too of this medium i'm a big big fan it's so fun i you know it's still gonna have some growing pains there's no doubt i know that sometimes ar seems more frictionless but you know, storytelling in VR—it's uh, just so powerful. Um, uh, you know, when you look at like the, the from the morning that you wake, that just came out. I mean, oh my God, what a beautiful, beautiful piece of work. So we're just we're just getting started in this uh, space. Um, you know, and I've I've also had you know you talk about the the difficulties of going through this. I, it's also been a real privilege, right? People have really believed in me and given me opportunities to. Um, lead them as teams, um, make these incredible, uh, you know, tell people stories. You know, last year I worked with the Japanese American National Museum on a really it ended up being a very powerful piece about a young man, a brilliant artist and writer uh, who ended up dying in World War II uh, and had been incarcerated in a Japanese American nation, um, camp in uh, Heart Mountain, Wyoming. Um, uh, been working uh, for a couple of years now on a major piece on Lyme disease that's coming out uh, soon. And um, you know, people have let me tell their stories. And that's always a privilege. I think, as journalists, we always know that. Um, but I feel like in this medium, even more so, because it's it's so um, it's a risk still, right, when you work in a new medium.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> are you going to be able to continue to do your own work while uh, running this new program? It sounds like that's sort of a twenty hour a day job to begin with.
2: Um yeah i'm kind of a 48 hour day type of person um so uh, so you know i just i do i i i usually run pretty fast i mean my 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 calf right now it's uh I'll be off in like a week oh god anyway but after after uh after that i hope we'll get back up to my normal speed but um uh or pretty soon after but yeah charlie i think that they really want to make sure that i continue with my practice so that i can continue to try to you know stay abreast and innovate um, I'm currently working on a piece right now um, alongside some very interesting uh, folks um, like, uh, you know, the brilliant Alton Glass and Ritha Hill, who's another amazing, amazing thinker, creator, um, and just uh, starting to uh, uh, develop a relationship with Carla Lindale Bishop um, on a project on the 1906 race massacre in Atlanta mm-hmm. with the National Center for Civil and Human Rights. Everybody, you know, a lot of people know now about Tulsa and what happened in Tulsa. Nineteen sixteen, but this happened all over America. Um, so mm-hmm. working on that piece, and that piece is really coming along. Um,
0: uh, wow, that sounds amazing, actually.
2: So that's still happening, um, and I'm also still working on our, uh, you know, very very bootstrapped uh, beta platform. Um, we should have another a uh, proper beta out uh, in the next couple of months on uh, Reach which is our, you know, web right, based
0: your web based VR content tool.
2: Yeah, button based right it's a simple tool but you know I know what it takes to code in unity or you know even blueprint and unreal it's it's a it's a heavy lift. Yep. So there's a lot of very simple stories people want to tell and we're still working uh, on making the tool, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, simple to use and, and easy to share and and uh, 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 trying to push into a no code solution for folks.
1: Nani, are you at a stage with your students yet where you're starting to see output or is it too early? Like, are you starting to see remarkable new things that are unexpected even by you that students are starting to create or is it still too early for that in the evolution of what you're doing with the class? Yeah, yeah,
2: our first class, uh, we've just finishing up all the requirements to get approval. And our first class will be this fall. And in fact, we can't open up our application process until June gotcha. so um, but next year obviously it'll be a much more uh, normal uh, timeline for applications, but I really encourage people to think about coming this fall because we're, we're cooking up some good scholarships. So, um, even though it'll be late in the day, uh, we might have some really good support so this might be the year to really take advantage of that uh, and think about applying. So we'll so have you can... back
1: on when you've got the first crop of things that you say, these are remarkable. Like I can't even imagine that
0: that this happened now. That's great. I,
2: that would be really fun. Yeah. I would thoroughly enjoy that.
0: Nani, thank you for joining us this morning. It's been great to catch up with you. Uh, like most of our friends who comes on this show, obviously this is a, you know, the beginning of what should be a three-hour dinner. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah. Of course, I really, really, really appreciate it. And, um, and um, I, you know, obviously it's a pleasure to get to spend some time with both of you. And I hope we do turn this into a dinner.
0: All right, everybody. That's thanks, our veteran,
2: so much. Bye now, bye. All
0: right, that's our show this week. See you soon.